Hi, I'm Kristen, and you're listening to A Public Church Podcast. We'd love to connect with you through our social media at A Public Church or through our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Man, again, I just wanna say thank you to those of you who are watching online, our online family, and those of you who are in the room. I see a few kids. Can we welcome the kids that are with us? I think that's awesome that you've brought them. And so we're actually kicking off a new series. And to do so, I'm gonna invite Lindsay Powell, who's serving as our producer, to come on up. So could you guys welcome Lindsay Powell, either in the chat or in person? Hello. So, Lindsay's going to share a little bit of her story because that sets the tone for our series. And for those of you who don't follow Jesus, here's what's pretty awesome. That was Lindsay just a few years ago. So, you can really relate to her. So, Lindsay, on your journey to becoming a Jesus follower, what kind of role did people at Starbucks, your friends there, play? Because that's where you work. Yeah, so um, at Starbucks, I don't know if everyone knew this, but they were my only friends. Um, And so with that came a lot of trust because I talk a lot. So um, in the midst of all of that, no one judged me. And I realized like a lot of people loved Jesus, but they talked about him like he was normal. And so that threw me off. Um, And then it built trust to the point where I felt like I could start challenging them on what their beliefs were and what their faith meant and things like, hey, creation or evolution? And they were like, well, duh, creation. I'm like, why are you so confident? So that all to say, that confidence led me to start really challenging them. And that was super duper helpful to encourage me to kind of like figure it out myself. I love that. So really, like for those of us, hopefully all of us who follow Jesus have friends that don't follow Jesus. And so that foundation of trust allowed you guys to have tough conversations and get into even divisive topics, but that way you could do that because you knew they loved you, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So second question, what kind of role did public church play in your journey? So first time I came to public church, I dressed up like I was going to a funeral, um, just like black on black on black, just a, a dress. I don't wear dresses. Um, and I came inside, and I'm, I was just like met with a bunch of chicks who had like really cute scarves on, and they were really nice to me. And then like all the dudes dressed up like lumberjacks, And so I was like, oh, it's November in Cleveland. All right, cool, cool. So they're normal. And so um, I planted myself in that back corner right there, and I stayed there for about six months. And everyone kept noticing me. And I was like, why? But I will say, um, throughout that time, I just kind of felt like, like I could be free to, like, question things. And I felt, like, safe doing that. And I felt cool about bringing that to like people at work. Some of them actually went to this church so I could be like, hey, was Todd being sexist that day? And they'll like fully explain it because awesome. those were just my thoughts, right? And yeah. I, I felt free to say that. Not to mention public worship was super good about like playing songs that related to what you were talking about, which mm-hmm. helped explain, you know, like what does it mean when he's a mountain? Mm-hmm. That didn't make sense, right? So yeah. it was really good to like fully explain those terms for me. I love that. And again, it's like, it was safe. And you could ask questions. And that's our hope for any of you guys that don't follow Jesus, whether you're watching in your living room or you're in here, that this is a safe place where you can ask questions and no one's going to get mad at you, but they're just going to help you figure out what you think about Jesus. I love that. Yeah. I think another cool part, just to interrupt you, was the fact that like, if I did ask them something and they didn't have the answer, they'd say that. They'd Mm -hmm. be like, I don't know. And they weren't mad at me for challenging them in that way. They were like, cool, let's figure it out, I guess. Like, no one's ever asked that question to me. And I just, I'm also learning. And so that was a really cool element. 
That's awesome. So they didn't feel this pressure to know everything. Right, no. And they were human. They weren't like, oh, I have it all together. Right. Yeah, you were on the journey with them. Yes. I love it. So final question, what is something that you wish someone either did or did not tell you? Um, so big question that I had when I, when I, you know, first started this Jesus business was why didn't anyone tell me sooner? But what I really meant was like, why didn't anyone tell me sooner that like Jesus was relatable? That like he also went through like weird stuff and like overcame it. Um, also like, why didn't anyone tell me that I don't have to have it a hundred percent together and that after following Jesus, I'm not going to have it a hundred percent together. That's good. And like, that's normal too. But I think a really encouraging element of that is the fact that like, None of us have it together, but like together, we've got it. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Can you guys give it up for Lindsay? That was extremely helpful. And, and honestly, there may be some of you that are at a place in that journey, and you can definitely relate to where Lindsay's at. And I think her story also just sets up our series because the series title is, Will You Tell Me? And really, it's a question posed from Lindsay a few years ago as she asked, why didn't someone tell me sooner about Jesus, specifically about the fact that he was relatable, that you didn't have to have it all together, that following Jesus is a journey, that you've not arrived, and that Jesus tangibly impacts our everyday life. So we want to dig into this because the reality is, for those of us who follow Jesus, we probably have Lindsay's in our lives and we may not be telling them about Jesus. And so we wanna wrestle with that. Honestly, as I've gotten to know Lindsay even more, I've wrestled with the fact that I was her friend, that I went into Starbucks regularly to go see her and to get coffee, and that I didn't explicitly tell her about Jesus. Why did her coworkers do that, but I didn't? Why could I follow up with, hey, you asked about this, and how's this going, I'm praying for this, but why didn't I? explicitly tell her about Jesus. That's something that I wrestle with. And so we want to wrestle with that throughout this series from, as we ask this question, from a someone who doesn't follow Jesus, will you tell me? As I've wrestled with that, one of the things I've concluded is perhaps if I better understood a key aspect of my role as a Jesus follower, then I would have spoken up to Lindsay. Perhaps if we better understood a key aspect of our role as Jesus followers, then we will speak up to the Lindsay's in our lives. So that's where we're starting the series. We wanna look at our role and we're gonna discover our role through the role of John the Baptist in John chapter one. If you have your Bibles or Bible apps and you wanna go there, we're gonna be diving in starting in verse six. And again, if you don't follow Jesus, this series is incredible. And, and I especially love that as we discuss our role, the role of Jesus followers ascribes value to you. Like you should walk out of here today or click off of this today feeling even more valued than when it started when you understand what the actual role of Jesus followers are. I pray that you feel the love of Jesus through today. And I pray that for those of us who follow Jesus, that we would have a clear understanding of what our role actually is. So John the Baptist, just a little context for him. He didn't write John, which I know that can be kind of confusing. He's like, are we reading a John? No, he didn't write that. The author is John, who is one of Jesus's closest friends, one of his followers. But John the Baptist is a guy that we're gonna read about. And he got this name because he spent a whole lot of time baptizing people. 
Why did he baptize people? He would literally almost always dunk them in the Jordan River as an opportunity to show people they would be baptized as a symbol that they were repenting from their way of life and they were now following God's way for their life. That word repent just means they were changing directions. And so John baptized a whole lot of people, which is why he got the name John the Baptist. But he never would have baptized anyone if it had not been for his role. And in John chapter one, verse six, we begin to understand his role. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That phrase sent from God in the original language can also be translated, there was a man who came on the scene sent from God. So here's the actual picture that's being painted is that John entered the human story for a particular purpose. That's what that word sent means. John came on the scene for a particular purpose. He had a role. And here is his role in verse seven. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Verse eight, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So John's role is that he is a witness for Jesus. Very clearly in verse eight, he's not the light. The light is Jesus. We'll get to that in just a moment. He's not the light, but his role is to be a witness for Jesus. So what does a witness do? Because this word is repeated three times in two verses. It's repeated later more in chapter one. It's a theme of the book of John. So what does it mean to be a witness? It means that we share firsthand experience. We are giving proof about a person or event. So here is John's role, to experience Jesus and then share that firsthand experience of Jesus with others. Why was he doing that? So that all might believe. Now, sometimes we hear that word believe and we're just like, okay, that's just like a little mental decision that has zero impact on anything I do beyond this little 1030 slot in my week. That is not the word believe. In fact, in March, our team actually had a discussion as we began to wrestle with, hey, what exactly does this word mean? And Colin Cook, who's actually, we've had the privilege of sending him out to be the lead pastor at Clingan Ridge, he said this statement as we were talking through it, said, faith is a belief that surrenders, renews, and changes the person. In other words, when we see the word belief, here's what it means. We trust in Jesus so much that we surrender to Jesus. It's not just this mental activity like, I believe, now let's get on with my life. No, it's the fact that we trust in Jesus so much that we surrender to Jesus. We become a follower of Jesus. So as a witness, John was going around sharing his firsthand experiences of Jesus, and he was inviting people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. So if it's all about Jesus, then we have to ask the question, who is Jesus? And thankfully, the author goes on to explain, verse nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So Jesus is the true light. That word could also mean authentic. So here's the good and the bad of that. <laughs> that as Jesus showed up on the scene, as Jesus shows up on the scene of our lives, he's gonna shine with authenticity on the good parts, the parts that we want everybody to know about, and the greed, and the selfishness, and the hidden sins, and all the things that we don't want anyone to know about. Which is why, if you were to read in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, it says some people rejected Jesus because they loved the darkness more than the light. 
They said, okay, Jesus, we get it. You're true, you're authentic, but we don't want to change, so we're gonna reject you. See, Jesus showed up, but not everyone followed him, even though John was a witness. In fact, in verse 10, it says he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The creator showed up and people didn't even realize it. They were busy, they were distracted, preoccupied, had other things going on, and they didn't even realize who Jesus was. And then some of them who did know rejected him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Why did his own people, why did the Jewish people, so many of them reject him? Because he didn't fit their construct of who they wanted Jesus to be. That They had a construct an image, a, a version of Jesus, and they wanted him to fit inside their box, and here's what he did to their box. Boom, he blew it up. And so they said, nope, we'll wait until someone fits our construct of Jesus. And so they rejected him. But, but here's the good news. Maybe you've rejected him up until this point, but there's an invitation for all of us in verses 12 and 13. Here's the invitation. But to all, can we just say that word together? Ready? All. That's good news. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, but to all who, believe, who did receive him, who believed in his name, who trusted in the name of Jesus so much that they then surrendered to Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To all of us are invited to follow Jesus, to surrender to Jesus. And here's the great news. Becoming a child of God, becoming a Jesus follower is not about anything we do, but everything Jesus did. That in all the areas we fail, Jesus excelled. That he was tempted in the same way we are. And all the times that we compromise, in the little ways and the big ways, he stood on the truth. This is who Jesus was. Have you thought about that? And then, despite his perfection, he volunteered to be executed like a terrorist, like a murderer, because the cross was received or it was reserved for the worst of the worst. But what we see in Jesus is that the best of the best took our place. And because of everything he did, we are invited to surrender to follow Jesus. And so for those of you who don't follow him, I wanna give you an invitation that is like a standing invite, that at any point, if you wanna follow Jesus, we wanna have that conversation with you. If you have questions about Jesus, we want you to feel as comfortable as Lindsay did, to wrestle with questions, to ask something, you're like, this may offend, it's okay, offend us. We want to walk this journey with you. And so if you're watching online, when I give this number, when I say text, 423-665-9317, that's not just like, oh, text. No, like we wanna have a conversation with you. And for those of us in the room, find me, find someone with a welcome shirt after this. We would love to talk with you as you figure out what you think about Jesus. And so we'd love to walk that journey with you, just like we had the privilege of walking it with Lindsay. So John had a clear role he was a witness. He was to share his firsthand experience of Jesus. He was invite people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. And here's how John's role intersects with our role. What is written about John is written about us. 
What is written about John is actually written about us. That role was not just reserved for him. In fact, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, a verse that sets the tone for the entire book of Acts. And here's what the book of Acts is. It's about the birth and the growth of Jesus's church. So here's the verse that sets the tone for the whole book. Jesus himself said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What is written about John is written about us, that we have a vital role to play. And here's our role. Be a witness for Jesus. That's our role. Be a witness for Jesus. That there's people in our spheres of influence whom God has put there. And it's our job to open our mouths and talk to them about Jesus. And this idea of a witness, this isn't an action, it's an identity. It's not something that we take on and off. It's who we are, no matter where we are. And so here's what a witness does. Here's the action that flows out of it. It's really simple. Two verbs, share and invite, share and invite, share and invite. A witness shares firsthand experience of Jesus. That's the first thing a witness does, which begs the question. If I were to go around this room, if I were to step into your living room and ask this question, in the past week, how has Jesus impacted you? Could you answer? Since the last time that we had an indoor gathering in June, or if you go even farther back to March, how has Jesus impacted you? If you can't answer that, I know this time has been rough. Here's what I want to beg you to do. Reach out right now. Text somebody that you trust who follows Jesus and open up about this. We want to come alongside you because for those of us who follow Jesus, we should be spending time in his word daily, consistently. We should be praying and we should be able to at a moment's notice say, this is how Jesus has recently impacted me. And if you're at a place where you can't say that, man, we want to help you say that so that you can fill your role as a witness. What, what else does a witness do? A witness shares or a witness invites. A witness invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. In other words, we tell people about Jesus so that they may believe in Jesus, so that they may surrender to him. And we let them know it's a journey. Lindsay said it so well, you're not gonna have it all together to come to Jesus and you're not gonna have it all together after you start to follow Jesus. We are all messed up and we are all a work in progress. But we invite them to follow Jesus. If you're struggling today, know this about John. John did this. In fact, if you look in verse 32 of chapter one, John shares about his firsthand experience of when he baptized Jesus. It's incredible. You should read it sometime. And then John invited people to follow Jesus. In verses 19 through about 24, some really important people showed up and they began to ask him questions. And he had every opportunity to grab the spotlight, to say, actually, forget Jesus, you're here for me, come on. But instead of grabbing the spotlight, John pointed people to the light because his role was a witness. And he didn't have it all together. Later on, he's going to send some of his followers to Jesus to say, hey, I've got some questions. I've got some doubts. 
because he's imperfect, just like we are. But I love that John internalized this role so much that in some verses we're gonna look at next week, towards the end of chapter one or in the 30s, here's what John does. Jesus walks by, he's with two of his followers, and he says, hey guys, unfollow me and go follow him. These are people that have given their life to follow him, and he says, hey guys, right, unfollow me, go follow him, and they did. That's a witness. And that's who we should be. So why does it matter? Why does it matter that we are witnesses about Jesus? Because we all have Lindsay's in our life, Lindsay's who are sitting here wondering, does Jesus really impact a situation? Does Jesus really impact the things that we are going through and walking through as a culture? So I would just like to give two specific examples, two areas of ways that we need to be a witness, that people need to see. Jesus intersects these two areas. The first area is the fight for justice and against racism. People are turning to all kinds of means for justice. They're thirsty for it. They're hungry for it. And if we're silent, we miss the opportunity to say, following Jesus will quench your soul level thirst for justice. And look, I know that this is uncomfortable. I know that some of you may have gotten frustrated immediately the moment I said it. I recognize that some of you may be really tense right now. Hey, here's the reality. We're a family. If we can't talk about this as a family, culture's not going to stop talking about it. And why should we be silent when God's word is far from silent? So, so I'm just going to take a moment and be a witness for a few things. First off, I want to be a witness that following Jesus means we reject the lie that we have to take sides. I mean, there's this lie that's out there in our culture right now that says if you are for black people, you are anti-police. And so some of you are sitting here and you're torn because you feel like you've got to choose between supporting your black friends and your friends who are police officers. And you're like, everything's so polarized and Jesus doesn't tell us to take sides. He offers the Jesus way that transcends sides. In fact, last week, Ben Stewart, who's a pastor out of Washington, D.C., he made this observation. He said, amongst Jesus's 12 followers, he invited someone to follow him who worked for the government and someone who wanted to overthrow the government. It wasn't like pick a side. It was like, no, there's a new way, the Jesus way <laughs> that transcends sides. And so personally, what I've done authentically this week is I've processed Jacob Blake's shooting, is I've reached out to some black friends. I posted about it. I, I just, I can't imagine the trauma of his kids. I, and I refuse to walk out of that pain. I'm gonna sit in that pain. And then the very next morning after I'd watched the video, I was spending some time in the Word and I was praying and I had opened my journal where I write prayer requests. And I have a list of black friends and some black leaders who are just acquaintances that I try to pray for very consistently. And you know who was on the same page, really on the same line? My friends who are police officers. Same page of the journal. And so I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me through the word and Jesus was impacting me to say, text them, reach out to them. And just a summary, I'm not gonna share everything that, there was a personal conversation, but basically my summary was, man, I saw the shooting. I'm heartbroken for his kids. But I want you to know I'm for you. 
I appreciate you. I believe in you. And I got a text back, and I've had some conversations like this that basically was like, man, that was awful. I can't stop thinking about those kids either, and this is bad, which tells me some of us are really, really far apart. I get that. But there's a whole lot of us that aren't quite as far apart as we're portrayed to be, and that Jesus is saying, come on, church, rise up and show people the Jesus way that in the Jesus way, we can stand for justice for black people. And we can acknowledge that the system needs to be evaluated and reformed while simultaneously standing for good police officers and good policing. It's not an either or, it's a both and in the way of justice, in the way of Jesus, because we have to understand that following Jesus demands that we fight for justice. Justice is central to the gospel. In fact, in Acts 1.8, perhaps you've never stopped to consider the racial overtones of Acts 1.8 that we read earlier. You shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, original audience would have been like, cool. In Judea, we get to travel. In Samaria, <laughs> uh-uh. We, we don't like the Samaritans. We're racist against the Samaritans and they are racist against us. And then to the ends of the earth, oh, hold on. We have to go beyond the Samaritans to the Gentiles. There's systemic injustice against the Gentiles that we like. So we have to go to them. Yeah, because living out the gospel tears down racial divisions. The way of Jesus builds bridges because his way transcends racial barriers. And in the colorful kingdom of God that we read about in Revelation 21, 26, where the nations will bring their glory and honor into the kingdom, that means their diversity, because part of our glory is our diversity. Man, it will all be about Jesus and we will all be unified. So somebody's gotta be a witness that shares this. And then we've got to invite people to embrace the journey of following Jesus, which is where we'll find justice. And so how do we do that? We start by sitting in people's pain. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Do you know where they're supposed to be comforted? They're supposed to be comforted, yes, internally by the Holy Spirit, but they're also supposed to be comforted by the family of God. So, so here's the invitation. If we want to invite people to follow Jesus, we start by sitting in people's pain. We don't have to have all the facts to empathize. We don't have to have all the facts to sit in people's pain and listen and hurt with them and realize that black men see their face in the video of Jacob Blake that black ladies see their husband and their son and their brother and their friends, we can sit in people's pain. And that's gonna build the trust that Lindsay talked about, the trust through which we can have the hard conversations and move towards unity and justice in Jesus. Here's the second reason we gotta be a witness, because people need hope. Because as we just talked about that, some of us feel so hopeless, it's so daunting. But we've gotta tell people that as Jesus followers, we have a gritty hope, not this fake hope, but we have a gritty hope. Do you know why we have a gritty hope? Because Jesus didn't just die, he conquered death and rose from the death. 
And that's a fact. Like, let's do our research. That is a historical fact that the resurrection happened. And so we can have a confident, gritty hope in the fact that Jesus, who conquered death, offers us life after death. That when we die, we're gonna, fight, we're gonna be together with Jesus and we'll be restored. And then in Revelation 21.5, one day, everything will be made new by Jesus. Everything, a new heaven and a new earth, everything will be restored. His justice, his love, his goodness, his mercy will prevail. In the end, Jesus wins. And those of us who follow him win. That's why we could sing the lyrics that we sang to start our gathering. We could sing in Graves to Gardens that you turn mourning into dancing. Come on. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. And you are the only one who can. That's why in our second song, Sea of Victory, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus because every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant because I know how the story ends. Our world needs hope, not hype, hope, gritty, confident hope that we can build our lives on and we get to offer it in Jesus. So will we be a witness? So here's the action as public worship comes on up. Here's the challenge for all of us, tangible action. Jesus followers, this week, will we tell someone how Jesus has impacted us? Just tell somebody. It could be as simple as for me, like tangible example. On the 19th, I was reading in Jeremiah and I felt like I should specifically speak life over a friend of mine who was having a tough time. So I went and I spoke life over that person. I could see this person's face light up. It led to more authenticity in our relationship. That was how Jesus impacted me through his word and through prayer. Tell somebody this week, anybody. It doesn't even have to be someone who doesn't follow Jesus. Just tell someone how Jesus has impacted you. And then for those of you who don't follow Jesus, here's the challenge. Would you just ask a Jesus follower you trust, ask this question, how has Jesus impacted you? And I pray their answer would be beneficial. That you would just find a Jesus follower you trust and say, I'm just wondering, like, how has Jesus impacted you? Like, really, in your everyday life? And again, I pray that that answer helps you as you explore Jesus. So here's how we're gonna end. We're gonna sing a song called King of Kings. It's quite simply the gospel. It's just the story of Jesus. So we wanna give you some space to process. So you can stand whenever you want. You can stand whenever you want in your living room. Maybe first, you just wanna take a moment and on your phone or journal, just write, here's how Jesus has impacted me. Maybe you need to send a text to say somebody and say, he, he hasn't. I don't, I, don't, I don't know an answer to that question. Could we talk? Maybe if you don't follow Jesus, you wanna write down the name of somebody that you're gonna get coffee with this week or sit down with to to ask them how Jesus impacted them. Reflect, journal, pray. And then when you, you are ready, I just invite you to stand both in this room and in your living room. And let's just sing the message, the hope, the story of Jesus. Jesus, you gave John a very specific, vital, purpose-filled role, a role that you have also handed to every single one of us who follow you. I pray that we would not run away from that role, that we would not try to deny it, but we would embrace it. And I pray that even now in these next few moments, we would know how you've impacted us. And maybe even this afternoon, you would give us an opportunity to literally tell someone. And for those who don't follow you, even as we just sing these words and declare your gospel truth, I pray that they would be moved 
to believe, to surrender to you, Jesus.